Welcome to episode 205 of A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. So glad you're here. Thanks for listening. This week's guest is Tanner Ballingy, really cool writer and skateboarder and all-around interesting human, and I'm excited to bring you this interview. Before we get into the conversation with Tanner, I just wanted to let you know that I've decided to go back on the road full-time in my van. I was traveling full-time from December of 2020 until May of 2021, at which point I decided to stop in Vermont, and I've been in Vermont ever since, although I've taken some road trips and such, but I've been in Vermont as the place that I've been living ever since. I've got a part-time job three days a week here, and that's how I keep body and soul together. But I've decided that I really miss the travel part of van life. The van starts to seem pretty small when you're not really using it to go anywhere, and one of the great joys of living in a van is the fact that it's mobile. However, this time around, my van life travels are going to be a little more challenging, and here's why. When I was traveling from December through May, I had two Patreons and federal unemployment benefits. Those federal unemployment benefits are now finished, and I retired from the long-running podcast I used to host and at the same time lost that Patreon as a result, of course, because that goes to the new host. So now I'm down to the Patreon for this show, which also incorporates the Patreon for Vanarchism. It's all one thing. And if you'd like to become a member of that one thing, you can go to patreon.com slash worldofjc. You'll get bonus stuff for this show. You'll get bonus stuff for Vanarchism, things like at various levels, essays, audio blogs, videos, exclusive photos, all kinds of things. We have a cool community of people at patreon.com slash worldofjc, and I would love to have you as part of the mix. So go there today, become a member for anywhere between $1 and $50 a month or any other number you care to invent. Get your cool bonus stuff and join the fam. And now, on to the show. Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. My guest this week is author Tanner Ballingy. Um I first read his book uh, just uh, maybe about a, a month or two ago as you're listening to this called uh, 60 Tattoos I Secretly Gave Myself at Work. And I really, really loved that book. And he's just released another, which is called Tourist, How I Failed to Find Myself in Southeast Asia. Tanner, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, let's let's start with the most recent first, which is Tourist, uh, a book about a uh, a trip you took through Southeast Asia. You were on a scooter. Your friend um, Connor was on a motorcycle, and it is uh, it's a just a, a really fun like kind of can't put down read. And the subtitle I think says a lot. How I failed to find myself in Southeast Asia. Can you kind of? spell out for us in whatever terms you want your kind of elevator pitch of the book or your, your 30,000 foot view of the book. Thank you for the, uh, nice words. This book, it's a, uh, travel memoir and it covers my trip through my motorcycle trip through, uh, Southeast Asia. In this book, I cover, um, going through, uh, Thailand, mostly Vietnam, Cambodia. I think that's it for that book. There's a second book coming out in probably a couple of years from now that I'll cover more, but um, it's a uh, kind of a punk travel memoir 
Can you talk about what you mean when you say it's a punk travel memoir? How does how does that descriptive word fit in for you? We were kind of off the map. We uh, tried to uh, do things as DIY and like cheaply as possible. Like we tried not to stay in any hotels. We would like camp and like sleep in like abandoned like buildings and stuff. Like we tried to like take the less typical way that like uh, normal like tourists or whatever whatever normal means would normally take on a trip like that the uh not to sound cliche but uh, the road less traveled is the one that we tried to take when you encounter other white people in the book you often have this reaction that i very much identified with i lived in japan at two different times in my life and i'm also white and i would find that i would often try to avoid other white english speakers unless and sometimes unless they were people who'd lived there a long time but uh because i kind of thought i was i was like blazing a different trail too and i don't know how true that actually turned out to be and that's kind of a question you ask yourself too throughout this book as punk as we're trying to be by the end of it you're kind of questioning yourself like well yeah but how different am i from you know the rei backpack tourists so i'm just curious to hear your your kind of thoughts about that looking back at it now from a greater distance and also looking back at it after having written this book it was an interesting thing i kind of like went like transitioned like back and forth between that because like so when like me and connor like uh, connor the guy i traveled with when we first got to vietnam for example i remember like taking the bus from the airport into town and like i remember specifically looking for white people to like figure out which stop to go off on but that was most because we we're looking for the backpackers hostel and then like yeah like towards the end of the like the vietnam leg of the trip i remember like avoiding white people i would see because that probably meant that we were in like the super cheesy tourist part of town kind of got like a big head like i thought it was like better starting kind kind of acting douchey about it up on my high horse about you know i I don't sleep in hotels or whatever and then yeah i had kind of had the uh, crumbling realization at the end where i kind of like caught the smell of my own shit so to say and uh (laughs) just kind of like called myself out because i really i mean i really was no different and i was kind of like being an asshole about it i get the sense from the book that you will relate to the idea that i had when i both times I lived in Japan, of kind of being almost like surrounded by a force field. Now, I will say that Japan is in some ways very different from uh, some of the countries, particularly Vietnam that you traveled through, and the way I lived there was very different. But I felt like there were probably a lot of things that I was allowed to do or invited to do or allowed to get away with uh, because I was a white foreigner. And so, for example, in the book, there are multiple times where people invite you and Connor into their homes or, you know, paddle you across to an island or want to drink beer with you, you know, by the prawn farm because you're a novelty. Whereas if you were like two young Vietnamese kids traveling around, I don't know if that experience would have been the same. Oh, yeah. We definitely had a lot of aid, just like like you said, like the novelty of like two gangly looking white guys showing up in like the middle of like a fishing village in Southern Vietnam, even like something as small as we go to a restaurant and uh, the, like the server doesn't speak English. Like people will get up out of their seats if they know a couple English words just to come over and try to help us out. It really was like an 
like advantage and i was definitely really like grateful for the fact that i was a foreigner and a tourist just for uh, like just little niceties uh like that because like traveling like that gets uh pretty rough and so like any like little nice thing like that just like makes the experience that much better because i read 60 tattoos first uh well it came out first so Many people who know your work might end up having read it first. But because I read it first, I kind of had one image in my mind of your of the level of your willingness to operate outside of what would be most people's comfort zone. And just for the reader or the listeners who haven't read 60 Tattoos, it is literally about exactly what it sounds like it's about. Um, It's about you doing uh, stick and poke tattoos on yourself while you had a job in a cubicle, then using that as a springboard to talk more about your life. But anyway, because I had read that first, I had kind of this, you know, this very punk, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me kind of thing that I thought about you. But when I started reading Tourist, I think this kind of takes us back in time more when maybe some of that image was being formed in your own head, because you definitely as you tell the story, I mean, you're doing a lot of searching for who you are. And in some ways it feels like using this trip, maybe to, to put yourself in a place where that search is easier because you're not bound by, you know, familial expectations or, you know, the, the employment obligations you might've had or whatever. Um, I'm, if that resonates with you at all, I'd love to hear about it. And if not, feel free to correct me. Yeah. You pretty much the uh, nail on the head there with that. I was just thinking about that recently because the time frames in which I wrote these stories was uh, pretty far apart. But when I was editing this book, I kind of realized like a big chunk of the book is just about how bad like my um, anxiety, like social anxiety used to be to the point where it was almost crippling. And like me, like having like to like basically just like follow Connor around and like really rely on him to like help me travel and like function and like uh, where I'm like, you know, thousands of miles away from my comfort zone and it it was like that beginning further on like down the road that type of like travel like immersing yourself in just fucking chaos and like not just not knowing where you're gonna sleep at night for like you know 30 days in a row is like it really like does like something to you and like riding a motorcycle for you know for eight hours and like enduring all that like the like the road like really like wears on you makes you kind of jaded and you kind of like start seeing what is really important to you it kind of just strips away like all like the bullshit of like stuff that doesn't really matter like you know things i said in like english class from like four years ago or like like i had an awkward encounter today you know like you know you kind of like stop giving a shit about that like you're more worried about like am i gonna find a good place to sleep tonight like can I get food, you know, can I get something, like, to drink? It makes you feel, like, more human. You appreciate, like, being a human more, and you appreciate humans more. For me, anyways, the book ends, like, right before we go to India. India was, like, a whole, just a whole other world. It was just a whole different experience. And I think in India was when I really had, like, was helping form who I was. The subtitle, it says, How I Failed to Find Myself in Southeast Asia, like, that's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek subtitle. I mean, in reality, I, like, I didn't find who I thought I was going to find. I just kind of, like, started the base layer of who I would, like, eventually become. And it just, and it wasn't anything I I had expected. Yeah, I, 
I relate to that so much. I've done a lot of traveling as well, but in the last year, I you know moved full time into a van and have just kind of been on the road. Although at the time of this recording, I've been in Vermont for a couple of months, um, but before that was you know had put about twenty thousand miles on the van and uh, between December and uh, the summertime. And, uh, you know, still live in the van, still planning to travel, still don't have any real plan. And I found that even, you know, despite 20 years of doing meditation practice and a lot of therapy and all kinds of stuff over the years, I found that moving into the van stripped away even more of the things that I thought made up me. Um, and I've been I had been homeless before in my life. So you would think that would be an even an even hotter crucible to be in. But actually, the homeless thing, that was almost too much of a crisis. Um, whereas the van is just enough of, and I kind of maybe feel this way a little bit about like traveling on the, um, you know, the, the cycle and the scooter and couch surfing. I feel like having just a tiny bit of a plan allows you a little bit more space to actually do the self-reflection as opposed to literally, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen, you know, tonight um so yeah for me i have found that i've been really surprised by finding out even more things about kind of the core of myself by doing this that i thought i had kind of already nailed down and it turned out to not be true yeah i totally like i that resonates like really well like i totally agree with that now i will say you you answered what in the book is a little bit of a cliffhanger which is i wasn't a hundred percent sure if you actually were going to go to india uh, when the book ended, although you by the time the book ends, you have purchased a ticket, but you are still asking the question, you know, like, am I really am I really going to do this? I'd like to just have you on when you write the India book. So um, I don't want to give too much away about that now. But it, it felt to me like as surprised as you were to have been doing the uh, the original part of the trip, you know, kind of you you refer to regularly to, you know, I'm being kind of amazed that you're in the middle of this, then the India thing almost seemed to like come out of left field as, okay, well, I thought this was going to be the trip. Am I going to keep extending it? And so apparently you did decide there's more to be, there's more to be done. I don't, I'm not ready to go home yet. Like I still question whether or not I really wanted to go. Cause I wasn't even sure if I really like liked traveling that much. I mean, I did. It, it just like got like so hard. Like I, I okay. I do love traveling. And I love seeing all those different like countries and meeting all those people and stuff. Like it's, it's an amazing experience, but it, like it's so tiring and it gets so hard. And like a lot of the times I was just like, Oh my God, when, when will this be over? Like I just want to like sit in my cold room and drink my cold beer and uh, you know, not feel dirty, not sleep outside. I mean, I was definitely glad they did go to India because that was uh a, a very eye-opening experience. We spent about a month there. It was insane. Like even, even more so than Vietnam and Cambodia and stuff. I originally wanted to like combine them all into one book, but I decided to split them into two that India needed its own book. So first of all, did you go home after India? Was that after that you went back to the States? Yes. I had, I had finally run out of money. Okay. Um, yeah, I got like down, I finally got down to like zero dollars and I had to, um, I had to buy the plane ticket back on a um, on a credit card. 
So when you got back, can you talk about what it after ha- just having that experience that you had? What was it like? Like at least, for example, in in the course of tourist, you still are attempting to keep a relationship with a girlfriend back in the states, and you have family back there. And I'm curious, when you got back, what was it like for you to try to relate to those people after what you just done? It was quite a shock, honestly. Well, and I also got uh, really, really sick like a couple of days right before I left India. I got some kind of stomach bug thing, probably from eating some uh, dirty food or something. But um, I was in like really bad pain and like, you know, really bad diarrhea for like days after I got back to the States. But besides that, like I remember just like my dad picked me up from the airport and like dropping me off at like my my car and like I remember like driving my car on the highway or like on this road like next to like a casino and I remember like how weird it felt like with like driving on a road with like no potholes in it and looking at the side of the road and seeing like green grass instead of like mounds and mounds of trash feeling like weird about it like glad to be back but it's like also like am I glad to be back I mean, I was for sure because I was I was sick and I needed some um, health care. But um, it was weird. It was it was a really strange trip, and it took me like a week to like adjust to getting back to like what I had been living, you know, my entire life up until that point. And at some point, like I re- I realized I didn't like it, and I wanted to. I wasn't ready to uh, grow up yet. I guess, or I wasn't done growing up yet. So I uh, decided to. Uh, quit my job and travel some more, but that book will come (laughs) years later. (laughs) One thing that I was surprised by uh, both times that I came back from living overseas was that for the most part, nobody particularly cared. If they asked me what it was like, they wanted an answer that was the equivalent of fine or awful or great, or they wanted a weird thing I'd eaten or something like that. But Generally speaking, what for me had felt really life well and was really life changing and had really altered my perspective on who I was and my place in the world, even the people closest to me in my life, it just didn't matter that much to them. Like they were glad I was back and most of them. And uh, other than that, they just weren't that interested. I'm curious about what your own experience was with that. Yeah, I definitely had similar uh, reactions to that, too. Like you said, like when pe- people ask motorcycle trip in India or whatever, it sounds pretty cool. Uh, but when they want when they ask you about it, they want you, want you to say like, "Oh, it was it was fucking awesome." But like, what they don't really like expect me to say is like, "Oh my god, it was fucking insane!" Like, I saw a dead body at a train station, uh, you know, and like, I just start going off and just like, "Whoa!" Like, I don't really care that much. I just, you know, I. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, hear about the cool motorcycle and the the open road. And it's like, it's not like it wasn't exactly like that. Like, it was, uh, it was rough. It was rough seeing like such bad, like, I don't want to go on a rant, but. You're on safe ground if you want to go on a rant. Like in India, I just remember seeing like, just some of like the most extreme, like forms of poverty I've ever seen. I remember right before I had left India, I was in a um, I was in a taxi to the airport, and the taxi driver had um, pulled over to the side of the road, just like out of nowhere, 
that he didn't say anything to me. He just pulled over to the side of the road. He gets on the side of the road, starts taking a piss. And um, I thought that was hilarious. And then I, like, looked over, like, out of the window. This was in um, Kolkata. Uh, I remember seeing, like, the, like a really, like, like a fucking palace, pretty much, uh, next to this, like, nice, like, big, like, manicured, like, pond kind of area. And I remember seeing a, a woman, like, dressed in, like, rags, pretty much, and her two, like, naked children. Uh, and she was bathing her children in, like, the and like the pond and like in front of this palace and just seeing that like stark contrast of like more than you need wealth versus such extreme poverty is like, I was like, holy shit, this, this is like the craziest country. Like I loved it. I loved India. I would like to go back someday. I'd like to shift gears a little from um, talking about tourists because uh, I was I was really moved and affected by sixty tattoos. I secretly gave myself at work, so much so, in fact, that I uh, and I know you already know this, but for the benefit of the listener, I sent my copy to my son, who's currently got it with him on a, a train trip across the United States that he's taking. So as I mentioned kind of earlier in the interview, the, the general idea is that you had uh, a cubicle job that allowed you to split your attention between the work you were doing and whatever else you wanted to do. And so the uh, the thing that you eventually chose to be the whatever else was to give yourself stick and poke tattoos and on a variety of of topics and a variety of art styles and um, so the book you know kind of brings together th- uh, the tattoos and images of the tattoos with your stories about what they mean and then just stories about your life and the juxtaposition of that like of the cubicle job and the relentless no represented by the tattoos I f- I just found incredibly brave and moving and uh yeah, there was just, I don't know, the book just, it really, really struck me. And I i don't want to impart onto you any particular motivations, but I mean, that feels kind of like where you were coming from in the book too. I mean, like, it's more than just a fuck you. It's its a—it's like a an affirmation at the same time as it's a fuck you. At least that's how it felt to me. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, and I think like in that book, I guess it's a lot shorter than tourists, but um I think there's like a little bit of a little bit of every, like something for everyone in that book. Like it's pretty, like I feel like a, a, it's easier to relate to. I remember when I like first started working there, uh, that was like my first job that I got when I moved to um, Arizona from Kansas. And I remember like like thinking like like holy shit, I can't believe I'm like in a cubicle job, you know. <laughs> And just like thinking about like, because I had just like got like gotten done with like almost like two years of traveling. I had just gone down the Mississippi River, and then I was just like, oh, my, I can't believe I did all that shit, and like now I'm just like, I'm actually working a cubicle job. But I mean, I was I was grateful for it. It was just a, a pretty like hard like uh, gear shift in my life at that point, and I remember thinking like fuck like fuck like i need like i need to work here i need this job but i need to i need to like express myself somehow in a, in another way like i gotta get i gotta get back at these fuckers for making me you know work <laughs> <laughs> man i that 
that phrase itself is a thing I'd like to have tattooed on myself at this point. I'll say so. Uh, yeah, it. I. Uh, I really. I cannot recommend the book enough. It's a. This sounds stupid to say, but it's a book that uh, f- you know, f- for you folks listening, that you really do have to read. We. We can't talk about it. I think tourists we can talk about and we can give you some kind of impression, although obviously you should read it because we're giving you a 1% impression of the 100% of the book. Um, I think we're, we can give you even less than 1% of 60 Tattoos. I just I think it's a book you have to you have to see and hold in your hands and read. Speaking of which, I will say, that I, which I don't think I've done so far uh, in this conversation, that both of these books and many other great ones are available from Trident Press, which is based in uh, Boulder, Colorado. And there'll be links in the show notes uh, to pick these up, which you should definitely do. And there are also books that are printed at the perfect size. So you can like chuck it in your pocket and uh, take it with you on your own, your own adventures. I've been talking on this episode with Tanner Ballinger, the author of Tourist, How I Failed to Find Myself in Southeast Asia, and 60 Tattoos I Secretly Gave Myself at Work, both available from Trident Press. Uh, check the show notes for links to buy those books, and you'll also find links to uh, Tanner's social media presence. Uh, Tanner, it's been, it's man, it's been such a joy for me to talk to you. I, I have really, really loved reading your work and uh, kind of getting to discover your voice. Oh, and I should mention also, the way that happened at all is because of Hello America, Stereo Cassette, for whom we both have recorded some work. And uh, that's how I discovered that you existed. And so I want to thank uh, Adam Gennady and Hello America. Um, and Adam has been on this show in its previous life, and you can go into the archives to uh, to hear more from him. So, man, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back when uh, the next books come out, because I'm excited to read those already. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Jason popping in here again at the end on a poorly recorded bit of audio because I forgot to say at the beginning that I'm giving away a copy of Tanner's book, Tourist, the book we mostly just spent the interview talking about. If you'd like to win it, send an email to jason at abriefchat.com. Just put Tanner in the subject line, T-A-N-N-E-R. Again, that's jason at abriefchat.com. Put Tanner in the subject line, and I will announce the winner from all the entrants on the next episode. Thanks. Good luck. (laughs) 